So Peggy, we are here in your uh, poultry pen. Could you tell me what animals you have here? And it's raining, I should say, as well. Yeah, we have uh, the chicks, we have the goose, and we have the... We have something here. As you can hear that sound. Hello, this is Africa Science Focus, the show keeping you up to date with the latest scientific advancements from across the continent. I'm Halima Thmani. Earlier in there, the Adaptation Assessment Report from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change found half of humanity falls into the danger zone for climate breakdown. These zones may be directly or indirectly affected by adverse weather patterns, droughts, storms, heatwaves, and flooding. Strawberry farmer Peggy gives our reporter Michael Kaloki a first-hand account of the damage climate change is causing. Okay, so I'm standing here next to a strawberry patch in a farm in the Oljororok area of Nyandarua County in Kenya. And Oljororok is about 175 kilometers north-northwest of the capital Nairobi. And this is Peginyaga's farm and she's here next to me and we are just about to head into um, the area where the strawberry patch is located but uh, Peggy tell me a bit about your farm what what do you grow here? We grow strawberries we also grow apples and uh, we do potatoes and we also do maize sometimes we do peas and beans those are the staple food that we grow here. Okay, so you grow quite a range of, of uh, crops here in your farm. Yes. But um, from my understanding, the weather has been, um, you know, not as it used to be in the past. Okay, what happened? Since uh, last year, 2021, the temperatures have really been high. We have been experiencing a lot of sun. Like uh, last year, when we planted the potatoes, we had a, a bit of challenge because potatoes goes for three months on the farm and we harvest on the fourth month. And uh, there was not enough rain. So all the potatoes that we planted got spoiled. We didn't harvest anything. Usually the rains comes mid-February, but look, the, the rain started yesterday. And we're in April now. Yeah, we're in April. That usually happens mid of February. Since 2019, the, the rains reduced, but come 2021, we have not had rains for the last nine months. I think the last time we got rains was like uh, around November last year. And uh, we're just next to Strawberry Patch. Could I suggest maybe, I, I guess, could we have a look in here? Yes. <laughs> okay, then we'll continue our conversation as we having a look at the strawberries. Because I have to say, I love strawberries. And it's not often being... Uh, uh, brought up in the city that you get to see a strawberry patch. This is amazing. This is, I would say, almost, uh, is this half an acre of strawberries? Yes, it is half an acre. But uh, we are planning to expand. Down there, I'll show you. We'll catch up with Peggy on the strawberry patch a little later on. One of the most effective ways of adapting to the challenges posed by climate change is to employ early warning weather systems. But... Africa has huge gaps in its weather and climate observation networks. 
Nearly two-thirds of the continent's population is not protected by these systems, whereas elsewhere in the globe, only a third of the population remain without access to timely weather warning systems. Michael spoke with Patricia Nyinguro, a senior meteorologist from the Kenya Meteorological Department, to see how these systems are currently being used to assist Africans. Patricia, what is the role of early warning services in regards to assisting communities in Kenya and the rest of the continent? Provision of early warning information with regards to weather and climate is very important because it enables communities to be able to uh, plan in advance about how they are going to react to the impending weather, whether it be um, favorable or not. And therefore, they are able to, one, safeguard their lives and also plan to be able to support their livelihoods and get food in case the weather is expected to be bad. A good example is if we are having floods coming up, having early warning information is very useful because it enables people who are able to move to move to areas where they'll not be affected or even to put structures that will enable them to avoid the negative impacts of the flooding. Same with the droughts, they are able to either buy food in advance or even move to areas that are less uh, affected by the droughts. Are these services readily available in Kenya? Well, um, to be honest, uh, Kenya is really trying in establishing of early warning services and uh, uh, you will notice that early warning services have many components to it. So one, there's the provision of information, which is the first step, and that is the mandate of the meteorological department where I work. And then after the provision of this information, then there are the steps that are taken after. Uh, to act. So to some extent, this is available in most parts of the country because uh, as the meteorological department, we provide information throughout all the counties and they downscale the information to local context. So then the acting thereafter is where at some point we have challenges because of coordination and sometimes uh, it's not very clear who should act, which which part of government should act, should it be national government or not. But there, there is existence of these services, but there is room for improvement. Effective systems are much more than simply a way to raise the alarm. They can be used for preemptive actions ahead of a climate disaster, things like coordinating modelers to predict potential risks in local regions, bringing together experts capable of monitoring weather pattern changes in real time, setting up effective communication networks, and developing plans for evacuation if disaster strikes. Are you seeing a positive change in the lives of those in communities in various parts of Kenya and maybe other parts of Africa as a result of these early warning services? Absolutely. There is a great good positive impact that we see with respect to uh, saving lives. And uh, an example is the drought that we had in Kenya and parts of um, actually the majority of uh, East Africa, Greater Horn of Africa, have been facing drought. However, we were able to see this earlier um, in, in collaboration with uh, regional organizations such as ICPAC, and we were able to provide information in advance. Even though there were some losses, um, if you ask me, I would say without the early warning information, it would have been worse, the losses would have been worse. Now, you mentioned uh, an organization there. Could you, uh, I think it was an acronym, could you just give us the full name of the organization? 
ICPAC is the IGAD Climate Prediction and Application Center. They are a regional organization for IGAD, so they serve the Great Horn of Africa countries. And with respect to particularly seasonal forecasts, they help to consolidate all the countries to come together and develop a, a forecast that has consensus throughout the region. So this helps us to be able to even work with the meteorological departments in Tanzania and Uganda and uh, Ethiopia to be able to see the extent of um, the adverse weather expected so as to be able to inform our planning activities. Now, farmers in some rural parts of the continent have raised concern in the past, indicating that they don't have easy access to weather or climate data. Is this a concern in Kenya? And if so, how is it being addressed? So indeed, it is a concern. And um, I would like to say that as the meteorological department, we've really come a long way with respect to the provision of uh, weather information. So you may recall that in years past, we used to be on television and maybe you'd see the weather on, on the newspaper. Now we are really trying to reach even more people. So we have a presence on social media and uh, we also try to uh, do interviews on radio and television to, inf- to inform the public. However, there are still gaps that exist with respect to reaching particularly people in very rural areas. How we are trying to fill this gap is um, through our county directors. They are able to downscale the information to local context and then they call barazas with the local people, local stakeholders, local farmers to disseminate the information to them. However, this is a costly endeavor and sometimes we do not have sufficient funding to be able to carry out this throughout the entire country. So indeed there is a gap, but we're trying our best to fill it with whatever means we have. What can be done by African governments to speed up the deployment of early warning systems, if anything, or are governments governments dependent on outside actors? Well, in my opinion, I feel there's a lot that can be done by governments without actually depending on outside actors so much. And that doesn't also mean that we are ruling out support from from outside actors. For one, um, provision of funding to support the entire chain of early warning systems from the development of the information to the dissemination and then the coordination such that the information reaches the local person, the intended person in good time. And I also feel collaboration with uh, other organizations, they, uh, whether they be regional or international, is also very useful. We have these in the form of projects, but mostly when the project ends, uh, sustainability of um, the achieved good does not really uh, extend for long. But if we are able to have collaboration where uh, the government also supports the sustainability of uh, the solutions that have been developed, then it would go a long way in ensuring that the, our early warning systems are as effective as they can be and they are as um, uh, yeah they really benefit the farmers and all the users of weather information. Over time reduction in crop yields can damage local economies and drive up the cost of living. For farmers like Peggy adaptation strategies against climate change are essential. Peggy and her husband are digging wells which they believe will make them less vulnerable to unpredictable rainfall in the near future. But until she sees improvements, she's still worried about the work her farm usually provides to local residents. Let's join her and Michael back down at the strawberry patch. Okay, these are the strawberries. Yesterday we did a bit of harvesting. 
That's why you are not seeing a lot of strawberries. Ah, I can see they come up like that. Yes, yes, oh, yes, okay. Yes. This is so, a red one. This is already red. Okay, it's out on the... Okay. But this green one cannot be harvested tomorrow. We harvest after every day. So since we harvested yesterday, today we don't harvest, but tomorrow we do the harvesting. All so right. by evening, all this green will turn to red. Yeah, ready for selling. Peggy, can one just sort of pluck? I can see one yes. that looks really nice there. Yes, okay, Black is just plucking one for me to like taste. This? Can I taste this? Yes, Thank you. you. Can. Mm. Mm. This is really nice and tasty. Very rich flavor. But, you know, you've been concerned, as, as you were just expressing there, about the weather mm -hmm. here in Nyandarwa. Mm -hmm. What is happening here in regards to the weather? Do you think this is as a result of climate change? Yes, it is as a result of the climate change because uh, we usually rely on what we plant. That is our daily income. And even the, the casual laborers who come to help us work out in the farm, they are not able to come and get their, their monthly dues because if you don't have a lot of money, then we cannot employ many people like you used to. Like uh, those other five years ago, we used to have like 10 people in the farm but currently, we are doing with three to five in a week, which is already we have laid off the five people that have been coming to do the, the farm work. Are you concerned? Does it make you perhaps feel a little bit, well, you know what, I'm a bit unsure of the future? Yes. In fact, I was asking my husband, could you maybe have some insurance for, the, for, for our plants? Because uh, with the potatoes that we did last year, it was really, really discouraging. We do a whole acre of potatoes and nothing comes out of that. You have already used fertilizer, which is very expensive. So what we did, we, we, we are looking at maybe doing some, putting some insurance for our plants so that in future when we get such kind of a challenge, we can get compensated about it. There is lots more of information on early warning systems available to read for free on our website. Head over to www.sidev.net. That's www.scidev.net. Or alternatively, if you want to listen back to any of our previous episodes, you can find them on your favorite podcast app. Today's show was produced by Harrison Lewis with editing by Ben Dayton and reporting from Michael Kaloki. I'm Halima Athmani. Until next week, goodbye. Africa Science Focus is produced by SciDev.net and distributed in association with your local radio station.